Madeline Brockway Jacob Legrand's lavish nuptials were deemed the wedding of the century with a rehearsal dinner at the Paris Opera House, an overnight stay at the Versailles, not the Motel 6, and a private Maroon 5 concert at the reception. Now I kind of question the Maroon 5 choice, maybe in 01. The Indian billionaires have Beyonce. These people settle for Maroon 5. Hey, it's Rayford Palmer and Rahul Iron. We're here for another episode of the I Just Want This Done Divorce podcast. Thanks for tuning in for yet another show. This one jam-packed, as always, with celeb news, dating information, dating app information. And we've got a lot of good stuff on this one. We've got infidelity. We've got prenups. We've got Shania Twain. We've got dexting, which is something I hadn't heard about, which is some kind of dating trend. And we've got Dave Ramsey talking about finances and divorce. This thing is just jam-packed, so let's Let's get ready to roll. Cue the music. Representing right. University of Michigan in this episode. Oh, really? Wolverines. Okay. So, so Rahul, representing the Wolverines, a U of M in this episode. I'm a U of I graduate, so I resent that, but uh, it's okay. We'll, we'll get by. All right. <laughs> hey, so we got some news about Jeannie May and Jeezy. We've got a Jeezy update on the divorce. That's right. No longer young Jeezy, just regular Jeezy. So this TMZ article from December 1st says, titled, Jeannie May fires back at Jeezy's divorce claims, insinuates he's a cheater and prenup says it'll cost him. So, of course, Uh-oh. we like to explore all things divorce and prenups. We decided to go look. According to legal docs, TMZ says, she insinuates her estranged husband is guilty of infidelity and that according to their prenup, essentially... Paragraph 8 says, or is in regards to infidelity, in pertinent part, that in the event either party engages in sexual relations and emotional relationship or is emotionally or sexually suggestive in communication with a third party. So just really, really broad via all forms of electronic communications, including but not limited to texting, sexting, which is still texting. FaceTiming, <laughs> social media. Only a lawyer, only a lawyer would write texting, comma, sexting, right? Comma. Dexting, like the one we had last the last episode about the the homeless people. Oh, Um, I forgot about that. FaceTiming, social media, and or DMs, direct messages, Ah. shall result in a significant financial penalty upon the adulterous party. So what does that mean in sort of layman's terms, right? It says if you're going to have any sort of third party contact in this sort of space, you're going to have to cough up some dough. What's the, do they define the penalty or there's nothing defined in there? The TMZ article doesn't really define anything, but we're trying to see if we can get a hold of this prenup or at least the document that the prenup sort of is yeah. detailed. And usually it's called a, what we call a motion for declaratory judgment, but Right. Where we ask the court to validate or invalidate, uphold or invalidate a prenuptial agreement. Similarly, in their jurisdiction, I'm sure they have something similar, which is where they pulled this out of. It says she doesn't want to disclose too much because she, for lack of a better word, doesn't want to, quote unquote, blow up his spot. But this could also just be her posturing because she wants to get a larger claim than it provides. We don't know if he actually did anything or if he didn't do anything. This could just be her saying, I have evidence, but I don't even want to go there. Just give me a little bit more and I'll walk away. And we don't know if it happened or not. So TBD, but... Again, a poison pill in your prenup. We've talked about this with the Costner divorce. We've talked about this in other prenups. These are the kind of openings that they have because otherwise they're still pretty ironclad. What do you think, Rafe? Yeah, the one thing that I was thinking about and you and I talked about before the show was in some states, this probably isn't, this clause probably is not enforceable as a matter of, uh, as against public policy. Right. So in some states, this will be enforceable. I'm guessing they're in Georgia. Is that I think right? So. Atlanta? 
think yeah, so. I believe I think so. It's yeah. like an Atlanta rap in the rap scene there, music scene there. You know, for all I know, it's enforceable there. Um, and that's why it's in the prenup. But we'd have to do some more homework to find out where it is and where it isn't. We were debating whether it'd be enforceable in Illinois. We're not sure. We'd have to do some homework. Because in Illinois, we and we've talked about this in a previous show, infidelities doesn't do anything in Illinois, and they've done away with pleading cause in divorce cases entirely. So the only reason you get divorced anymore in Illinois is irreconcilable differences. So it doesn't matter if somebody's cheated or not. You can't even plead it in a case. And there's no more. Uh, there used to be a tort of basically stealing a spouse. You know, it was alienation of affections, which is a great term. It's the name of my new album, right? So alienation <laughs> of affections was the lawsuit you would bring against the third party who came in and stole your girl, right? People, you could get damages for that. The last jury verdict I saw in that was many years ago in Illinois, and it was embarrassingly for the guy who brought the case, a very small verdict. <laughs> it was like four <laughs> grand or something. Like, I guess it wasn't that good then, you know? But the long story short is your mileage may vary depending on the, the enforceability of this kind of clause is going to be important. And I know generally courts don't like penalties. They don't like punitive type things, especially related to family law. Compensatory damages, damages that compensate you for something like your attorney's fees or something like that. Courts are more are more willing to award, but just a penalty, very leery. Courts in general and public policy has been steering away from being morality police in, I would say, recent decades. So that, that was my thought about it, but really interesting. And I'm sure more to come on this. And, and you make a good point. Is it strategizing or just BSing? Because that's the classic thing. Like I've got a lot of evidence, but I'm not going to show you right now. Cause I don't want to, I don't want to make you look bad. I mean, only Jeezy knows what she might have. If he's got a clean conscience, well, he's got nothing to worry about. Right. And, interesting. and it is very interesting. And it also reminds me of this other article. We don't have that today, but probably talk about it on a different episode where the soccer player, what's his name? I can't remember now, but the one who plays in Saudi Arabia, Neymar from Brazil, not, not Cristiano okay. Ronaldo, but Neymar. He has this sort of arrangement with his significant other, where if she catches him, you know, same sort of provisions, then in he's got to fork over. Delicto. Yeah, exactly. He's got to fork over a lot of things. And so now it turns out she did catch him texting somebody. But now the question is, was the texting happening before they got into this arrangement or after they got into this arrangement? So these kind of things can may or may not be enforceable, but they're still contracts. And are they against public policy? We don't know, but TBD, but very interesting stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So next one, this one's kind of wild. We always like talking about these celeb or rich people weddings because they're pretty fun to talk about. So this one is interesting. Heiress bride in the groom facing prison, Madeline Brockway's wedding of the century. This is kind of like, what do they call it? Instant regret or something like that. It's yeah, instant regret, online, instant karma. Right? Yeah, all kinds instant of stuff. Instant karma. Yeah. All right, well, here's your instant karma, ladies and gentlemen. So Madeline Brockway, Jacob Legrand's lavish nuptials redeemed the wedding of the century with a rehearsal dinner at the Paris Opera House an overnight stay at the at Versailles, fancy, not the Motel 6, and a private Maroon 5 concert at the reception. Now I kind of question the Maroon 5 choice, maybe in 01. I'm not sure about now. The Indian but, billionaires have Beyonce. These people right. settle for Maroon 5. The Indians have it right. That's Taylor Swift would have been a good option. Taylor would have been that Taylor's on point. I'm not sure if, okay, I don't want to knock Maroon 5, but that seems like Maybe they got a bargain on them coming over. Okay, so here's the scoop, though. This is sort of like the instant karma. So the groom is facing a 25-year prison sentence on charges of aggravated assault for shooting at three police officers, allegedly. Don't recommend shooting at anybody, mm. especially police officers, and even Probably more so in idea. France, where I think things are even tougher. There. Okay, here's the scoop. On 18 November, Legron, 29 years old, and Brockway, 27, tied the knot at Chateau de Villette. 
I'm pr- I think I'm pronouncing that right from I a high school that college one. French. Thank you. A 185 acre estate outside Paris. Oh, thank you. With our great microphones, you can get I can get the accent proper. The, While yeah. the elaborate wedding venue decked out in white flowers, cascading fountains, not just your ordinary fountains. These were cascading, and a drone show, which is this is the new hotness, right? You got to have the drone show. It used to be fireworks. Now they're the drones. The drones, because the fireworks are not environmentally responsible, and we've got you know rockets flying everywhere. It could hurt somebody. Now we have drones, and we got to have the coordinated drone show. The drone show was displaying the interlocking letters M and J, of course, for their initials. It was impressive in itself. It was the five-day celebration leading up to the wedding that caught everyone's attention on the Internet. The celebrations began with a bachelorette week at luxury five-star resort Amangiri, probably not pronouncing it right because I'll never be allowed in, at Canyon Point, Utah. Never heard of the place, but I'm sure it's fancy. The lowest price for a one-night stay is 3150 bucks. Following the bachelorette week in Utah, Brockway, I don't know what the bachelors did, Brockway and her wedding guests traveled to Paris where she treated her guests to a private viewing of the Chanel Haute Couture Suite. This was followed by an overnight stay at Versailles where the lowest price for one night at Le Grand Contrôle, the hotel in the Chateau de Versailles, is 2,200 euros, which is about 2,400 bucks. The event took place at the Palais Garnier in Paris, one of the most famous opera houses in the world. During the wedding, Maroon 5 frontman Adam Levine was seen serenading the newly married couple during their first dance. I'm sure it, it was a tall coin to get him to fly over. Mm-hmm. At, as Brockway documented the festivities on her since-scrubbed social media, it soon became described as wedding of the century by TikTok user and event planner Lauren Zygman, who we should probably find out and see if we can talk to about weddings, yeah. these giant weddings. However, what raised eyebrows most were the bride and groom, who seemingly came out of nowhere to become an overnight viral sensation. Yes, we haven't heard of them. And we like to think we're pretty well versed in this internet pop culture celeb thing. Not only does prompt curiosity about how much the wedding celebration cost the couple, some have estimated the grand total to be 59 million bucks, but it also led many people to wonder exactly who the heck they are. According to her LinkedIn, Brockway is a self-employed entrepreneur in Fort Worth, Texas. Attended college at TCU, Texas Christian University, began dating Legron, originally from Nashville, Tennessee. The guy worked as an operations assistant for the Ole Miss football team for nearly four years before becoming a production assistant for country music singer Jason Aldean, by the way, has an awesome place in Nashville. You and I've been there. Yeah, great bar. Yeah, the bride's father is a chairman and CEO of Bill Ussery Motors, parent company of Mercedes. So they have a bunch of Mercedes dealerships, I guess. Made his fortune selling a couple locations for a total of 150 million bucks. Pick up yourself a Mercedes Benz dealership, ladies and gentlemen, if you can get one, it's well worth it. Her mother serves as vice president of Mercedes Benz branch in Coral Gables, Florida. So they've got a lot of money, bottom line. So apparently, LeGrand was indicted on three counts of aggravated assault on a public servant in Texas, first degree felony in the state. You can't even do this stuff in Texas. You can't shoot at cops even in Texas. The alleged incident took place on March 14th when West Forth Village police officers responded to multiple disturbance calls. Officers said they were reportedly fired upon by Legron. The incident said he threatened them and exhibited a deadly weapon. I'm not sure what happened. This guy's in trouble. Offered a plea bargain deal, 25 years in prison. Not clear what happened, but this all came out after the wedding. That's it for for that scoop. So give me a hot tip on that. Next, you were going to talk about the great Darius Rucker, formerly of Hootie and the Blowfish. 
Yes. He's been split since about 2020. Him and his wife were married for about 20 years. This article on People magazine said he learned a lot about himself as he was going through his divorce. And I think it's important to highlight that even, you know, in the celebrity world, what we see is not what they're experiencing. There's a lot of layers to them that we don't see. He talked about how there's a lot of help out there for people and about how it's frowned upon in his community to be divorced. And regardless, he said music has always been his therapy. So everybody has different forms of therapy music has been his and he wrote songs to get over this or to kind of process these emotions yeah. and he said she's still part of his life they still like each other very much she's a great person and a great mom and they're just still, still going through it. it's nothing like juicy that we typically talk about but i think it's just sort of more reaffirming that you know everybody goes through these things everybody copes with it everyone goes through and deals with it and just because you're right. a celebrity doesn't mean you're just like hey you know i'm going to the next one uh, it's it's not like that they still feel the same stuff they still go through the same things they still need the therapy they still need to cope and they still work through these issues. Hard because the spotlight's on you. You know, it's mm-hmm. probably harder, actually. You, yeah. You know, trying you know, to be good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And it's like enough. It's hard enough to get divorced when you're kind of a regular civilian and the spotlight is on you and you're in your own little community among your family and friends. But when you're a superstar, it's just that much more difficult. And it, I'm guessing so. I mean, we don't cry from too much. They've got a lot of money and stuff like that and first world problems, I guess. But it's a good point to remind us that they go through the struggles everybody else does too and it's another thing that money doesn't buy happiness and we know that for sure by you know from our experience so the next story is kind of funny it's, this ties into this talking about music i came across this great article this is from huff post is shania twain's you're still the one the kiss of death for marrying couples <laughs> and this this ties into celeb divorces and the summer of celeb divorces as now we're in the you know approaching the holidays so the question that author said here was is you're still the one shania twain's mega pop crossover hit from 97 a kiss of death as a first dance song the latest celeb divorce makes us wonder and this is referring to Chris Appleton, best known as Kim Kardashian's statuesque British hairstylist, filed for divorce from White Lotus actor Lucas Gage after six months of marriage. Well, that wasn't meant to be, I guess. Mm. That's what you call a starter marriage, ladies and gentlemen. If it's only six months, that's a return to sender. That's a money back if you're not satisfied. By the way, as an aside, I had a client call me a million years ago when I started doing divorce. Potential client called me and said, had been married all of two weeks and said, is there like a 30-day policy on divorce where you could cancel it if you have like buyer's remorse? Right. I said, no, you got to get divorced just like somebody's married 30 years. And she couldn't believe it. But that's Oh, yeah. Like false. you have these Las, Las Vegas weddings, right? Where you run out and get married and you yeah. get it on all the next day. <laughs> you can't. Um, in Illinois, you get married and you are stuck, my friend. After one day, you, the next day, you've got to get a divorce. Mm-hmm. And it's real. So, you know, you can get you can cancel a gym membership. You can cancel other stuff in Illinois. We've got state laws about things that have rescission period, right? Rescission. Yep. Okay, so Kardashian asked Twain to perform You're Still the One as a gift for the couple before they head to Little White Chapel in Vegas for the wedding. Also, getting married in Vegas, unless you have like the affirming second marriage with all the witnesses, I think it tends to be kind of bad luck, bad vibes, because it's kind of like you're not taking the wedding seriously. Oh, yeah. If you're in Vegas and you're just going over having a laugh and you're going over to the Little Chapel of the West probably you're not taking your marriage seriously. And there's something to be said. Now, we are fans of marriage on this podcast mm-hmm. in our law firm, STG Divorce Law. And people say, well, you're divorce lawyers. How can we be fans of marriage? Because we think it's good for people. We think it's good for children. We think it's good for couples to have that commitment. Mm-hmm. We have no problem with getting, we recommend prenups. So if you want the financial side of divorce to be easier, get a prenup to nail down your rights and responsibilities. The commitment of marriage is valuable. It has, there's more value to being married, having an extra bond to make you stick things through a little bit and not just bail 
middle of the first sign of trouble. Not mm-hmm. that you won't stay together if you've just been in a committed relationship for a long time, but there's something about the witnessing, having a church or a ceremony with no church, it doesn't matter, but having several people that are part of your life witness the marriage. And it kind of heightens the level of seriousness of the level of commitment. So when you have the destination wedding with 10 people, I guess it's better than just two people eloping and running to the little chapel of the West. But when you have a group, a larger group of people there bearing witness, it's not a guarantee you're going to stay married. I mean, I got married with 300 or 400 people at my wedding. I got divorced 24 years later. I think there's something to be said for that. Everyone to be part of the ceremony, the celebration. They get to have a big party in your honor. You know, something to do. They're part of the bond. You know, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like having a godfather or godmother in the religious sense. People are witnessing your commitment. You make those oath statements to the other person, whatever it is. It doesn't need to be a religious Mm -hmm. thing, but you're making a commitment and there's value to that. So anyway, so Kim Kardashian, and this is a great quote, no stranger to marriage herself, is the quote (laughs) by Kim Kardashian, admits the song has been her dream wedding song as well. Lyrically, the song's an interesting choice. They'd only been dating publicly for two months, probably not a sign of an ironclad commitment, right? Mm -hmm. I recommend about 12 months to get your wheels under you with somebody. Uh, Some of the lyrics about weathering the storms and taking the long way seemed a tad premature. It's a pretty honest, unvarnished love song too. They said, in fact, for some couples, it might be a little too honest. And they explained some other celeb stories and things. One DJ in LA and Florida, this guy had a funny comment. He doesn't like the song for weddings. He said, I'd rather listen to a lawnmower running over a jar of marbles then you're still the one. <laughs> Pretty good. <laughs> then this guy, this DJ said, you're still the one is intrinsically negative. Using it as a first dance song on your wedding day serves as a reminder that things weren't always so great on a day when everything's supposed to be perfect. Because it kind of says you've gone through struggles, right? Mm-hmm. So it's sort of interesting. It's kind of the song that you'd play after you've been together a long time. That's kind of funny. So kiss of death, maybe for marrying couples, watch out. You might want to avoid that one. And then you can do um, all the other classic wedding tunes where you get everybody up to dance. So this is a good time to talk briefly. If the wedding isn't working out well, maybe this is a good segue to (laughs) talk about our law firm, STG Divorce Law, right here. So we're located in Chicagoland, STG Divorce Law, stglawfirm.com. We're a full-service divorce law firm, and we represent smart, successful people who need good divorce representation or great divorce representation in the Chicagoland area. So check us out at stglawfirm.com. We have a team of 10 lawyers dedicated to nothing but family law and divorce, and our Our goal is to make divorce better. So our whole idea is we want to help you prevent you losing your kids, money, and minds, the best ability we can, and give you a cost-benefit analysis all along the way provide the best satisfaction we can for your experience. This is a tough situation in your lives. Nobody loves getting divorced. We know that. We want to make it as better a process as we can. So check us out, stglawfirm.com. I'm one of the owners, Rayford Palmer, and Rahul Ayers, one of the partners in the law firm. And if you need our assistance, we're here for you. You can contact us 24-7 online. We're open during the days, too, to take your calls. And we'd love a chance to have a consultation with you and see how we can help you out. STG Divorce Law, we're the gold standard. Thanks. Check us out. All right. So, so let's talk now about another prenup issue. And this one is with Adele. So we've got celebs and prenups again, right? Yep, exactly. So this has to do with Adele and Rich Paul, the super agent for the stars, famously of LeBron James's persuasion. He is James's one of his best friends. And really? anyway, this article essentially talks about how Adele 
has a prenup, and that's caused some friction with Rich Paul before they had their quote-unquote secret marriage. This article says pop star Odell and sports agent maestro Rich Paul may have secretly tied the knot. So weird. We talked about yeah, secret weddings, that? right, a few episodes ago. So yeah. it said that the Hello singer attended Alan Carr's entertaining spectacle over the weekend when she reportedly dropped the bomb. The comedian was rumored to have asked fans in attendance if someone recently got hitched. Adele reportedly exclaimed that she did. Apparently, she made Rich Paul sign an ironclad prenup. You know, but it's important to note that he is no slouch by himself. He represents yeah. some of the top athletes in the in the world and basketball and football so right. on and so forth it says that based on reports adele is worth approximately 220 million he is worth he's the founder of his agency clutch sports okay. with a k and okay. is worth 120 million well you know so what's this guy worried about i think he just was annoyed that well, she made him do this this is standard issue stuff in hollywood i mean in the celebrity world. And he should be thankful because yeah. the more clients he signs, the more it benefits him too. So, I mean, we don't know what the prenup says. Of course, prenups are all confidential until they're no longer confidential. So we yeah. have no idea what it says. But again, we keep harping on this. People who say they don't work. Is that why everybody does it? So yeah, <laughs> if they didn't, they didn't work, nobody wastes the money on them. Yeah. Right. Especially for people like Adele and Rich Paul. So Interesting yeah, stuff. Very interesting. Okay. So we're going to switch gears a little bit to divorce and divorce finances. And I came across this interesting story. It ties in Dave Ramsey, the financial guru guy who's kind of famous. And this is a guy who I guess calls into Ramsey's show. So this guy's from Cleveland and apparently he was describing how his personal finances were screwed up by an ongoing divorce. And his soon-to-be ex-wife wants him to take on more debt. Ramsey said, this has got to stop. He was shocked by the situation. When this person talked about his finances, he said 65 grand in combined credit card debt. The gentleman and his wife are already in a deeper hole than the average American. And I thought these stats were interesting. A report by TransUnion found the average credit card balance was about $6,000 in third quarter of 2023, which is a 10 year high. Now remember famously sort of during the pandemic, everybody saved money. Nobody was going out and spending any money. So personal savings were at an all time high. Credit card was at a low. And and I know that was true in our family too. We just didn't have stuff to spend money on. So we weren't spending anything on credit cards really. Corey has $35,000 outstanding, which is six times higher. His wife wants him to take half of hers too. And she has 30,000 in credit card debt. And they say that's just the tip of the debt iceberg. And they say the couple has a mortgage worth 132 grand in their house. Recently appraised at 174. So it's not a lot of equity. On top of that, the car payments are almost $1,000 a month. Now that kind of number blows my mind because I remember having a car payment of, you know, a few hundred bucks a month thinking that was like a decent amount of money not that long ago. So average American pays 729 bucks a month for a new car, 528 per month for a used car. That's like an enormous payment amount relative to what kind of my memory of car payments. And, but I know like the cars are just very expensive now and the financing's pricey because the rates are way up. I remember getting a car loan for like one or two, 3%. Yeah. Not only are cars expensive now, every dealer wants above market. So there's always yeah. a huge markup on top of that. To make matters worse, this guy would owe money to the lender if he wanted to stop making payments. This guy's cars in negative equity or what we say underwater, meaning he owes more than the thing's worth. Mm -hmm. So he can't just stop making payments and turn the car in. He's underwater. So this guy's in a world of financial hurt and he's in the middle of a divorce too. So he said he feels like he's on the verge of financial ruin. And he says he's really in trouble. He's got a 401k with a modest balance. And of course, his wife wants half of that. And Ramsey said, and this is a well said, Dave Ramsey said, the problem with divorce is it turns marriage into a business transaction. Yes, it does. He suggested a simple game plan to navigate the transactions. So he basically commented, he said, he's helped a lot of people with divorce. 
And he said divorce proceedings are a way to divide a list of debts and assets, which is pretty accurate. Mm -hmm. In some states, they're simply split down the middle. And of course, in Illinois, that's largely true. Nine states have community property laws that split marital assets 50-50. So that's just even Stephen in community 50, property. 50. Most states aren't community property. So 41 states are equitable distribution like Illinois, which is equitable, not equal. And we've talked about this many times before on the show and with our clients too. And Ohio is an equitable distribution state where this person lives. So he says, you know, it should be a 50-50 split. And he said, as is Ramsey talking, recommends getting rid of the truck because the guy's underwater on the truck and he's paying this giant <laughs> monthly payment. So he said paying off the negative equity, 4,000 bucks or selling the truck to a private buyer may be worth the effort, you know, to get that payment off his back. Recommends selling the house to kind of clean up their liabilities. And so this is the, the bottom line here is they're in an equitable distribution state. There is no my money and her money unless you've got prenups and you've kept separate accounts or prenup that provides for that. Because this guy says, well, you know, my credit card debt's 35 grand, her credit card debt's 30,000. No, it's your credit card debt together. That's 65 mm -hmm. grand. It's all one pot as far as the law is concerned. So when somebody's like good financially or behaving well financially, and the other spouse is like a reckless spender, that's a problem because you're going to eat half of that loss when you get divorced. So the time to police those problems is when you're married early on and nip that in the bud. Or if God forbid you end up getting divorced, you're going to be paying for the freight down the road anyway. And you know, it's one of those things where it's sort of, we understand people aren't going to, you know, if everything else is going well, but your spouse has like a spending problem, you can't suddenly turn around and say, I'm filing for divorce, <laughs> right? Yeah. If everything else is going great, we recognize that. But the law is designed in a way where given that that's sort of the position you're taking, they say, okay, well, in that case, it's all marital. You knew it was happening and yep. it happened. Now you yep. can't point the fingers at, at the other spouse. The tough thing for people is you're really left with two options. And this is true for like a spouse that isn't working and maybe the other person thinks they should be or our financial situation like this bad financial behavior, this kind of thing. You're left with two choices. Either get the behavior fixed, get them to get a job or get them to pay the bills or, or not spend so much money. Or your other option, like you said, is get divorced. It's not a wonderful couple choices, but that's effectively what how the law works. Mm -hmm. it, otherwise, you're stuck with the circumstances circumstances as they are. So if you stay married to somebody who isn't working for X number of years and then you get divorced, well, they're going to get you to pay them maintenance. And you could say, well, I wanted them to get a job. The point is they didn't and you didn't want right. it bad enough because they didn't get a job. So you're stuck with that condition and wanting it and having asked them a hundred times for it. The court doesn't care about that stuff. And you're going to see that in these property division states where somebody says, well, I was a, a saver and, and I was really good with not spending a lot of money. The court's going to say, oh, that's great, but you're on the hook for half of the liability. The law provides for who made the money and who spent the money. That's an element in property and debt division. But we all know as a practical matter that gets overlooked all the time. I mean, it's, that's quite rare. It gets overlooked. And frankly, there, I've never seen a scenario where completely marital property and the court says here, one person can have everything. Right. It just, it doesn't happen. It's in the cases where it's an unequal division of assets and debt, they're oddballs. They are yeah. outliers. And mm -hmm. there are cases that happen that way, but there are facts that make those make sense. For most people, it's 50-50, even in these equitable distribution states. It's a good one, you know? Mm -hmm. And 55-45 is basically equal. So for people who think, oh, but in my divorce, it was 55-45. That's more yeah. or less equal. We're talking about like 60-40 or 65-35 kind of thing. Right. So Yeah, and when you yeah, look at that 55-45, that's a great point. It's it's usually something, there's some facts that make that make sense, right? Oh, yeah, always. And it's, you know, without getting too much into like a, a lesson about it, it's sort of one of those things where the numbers, when you look at it from bird's eye view, will make sense. And there's probably some consideration or something the other person is getting who's getting the 45%. There's something else they're getting in consideration that they're giving 
giving up 55 here, or it yeah. just makes sense, you know, for example, if someone can make up that difference, 5% difference, depending on the size of the estate, can be a few thousand dollars or, you know, a few $10,000. And for some people, that's a lot. For some people, that's like a rounding error. So they might yeah. just make that in their next paycheck and right. now you're equal again. So. Right. Uh, what's You've got a story here about when's the right time to get a divorce, which is real interesting. When is the right time to get a divorce or rather how much do you or should you save before you're getting divorced? It's sort of kind of tying into the whole, the financial portion that we were just talking about, because not only can divorce be difficult and is of course extremely emotional, it's probably the worst time of people's lives. And usually people do it once, some people do it twice or thrice, but one thing in addition to the emotional aspect is the financial one. How much does it cost? How much should you save up for a divorce? Or how much should you save before getting a divorce? Well, we found this article on NASDAQ that talks about this and uh, we can walk through it here briefly. It notes what's probably common sense obvious to people, which is a straightforward uncontested divorce can be cheaper than something that's contested. You know, the article says average cost of a divorce in the United States ranges between 15 and 20. Depending on your jurisdiction, that's not indicative of what may happen. Bigger cities, New York, Chicago, LA, Miami will have, San Francisco will have probably more expensive divorces compared to smaller towns. This might be a national average. Honestly, is on a case-by-case basis as cliche as that might sound. You know, you have your five, $6,000 divorce, but you also have your or fifty to sixty thousand dollar divorce. World War Three can get really, really expensive really quickly. Oh yeah, you know, like we talked about the Costner case, right? They're talking about spending one hundred twenty thousand dollars a month in child support. If you think right. your one month of child support payment is going to be one hundred twenty thousand, you can imagine how much the divorce costs. Exactly. So, so it's it scales up depending mm-hmm. on the nature of the problem for sure. Absolutely. So this article goes through what steps you can take to prepare. So number one, you have to assess your current financial situation. It says before you determine how much to save, you have to evaluate your current financial situation to make sure you take stock of your income, assets, debts. You were just talking about how, you know, the debts are outweighing the assets in that one situation with Dave Ramsey. Again, this is very important. You need to get professional advice, financial advisor, divorce attorney, speak to a few, find one that fits. Don't just call the first one and hire the first one. Even if that first one is us, talk to somebody else, you know, do your due diligence, you know, talk through what your options are and what realistically you can expect. Your best case outcome, your worst case, you know, where, what is your line in the sand? If you're trying to get this done fast, determine your budget. This can be done with both of you or just by yourself. How much are you willing to spend? How much do you have to spend to hit your fixed costs, housing, utilities, transportation, groceries? You know, you need yeah. to, those are your, the Maslow hierarchy of needs. You need to, right. you need to make sure all these are met as you keep climbing up and you need to have your emergency fund. If you have kids, you need to make sure your kids' expenses are all accounted for. You don't, you know, we certainly would never, ever take on a case where we think that they're relying on their next paycheck to pay our retainer. Sure. I've had people call me about those things and I've said, you know what, love to help you, but we'll be doing you a disservice. We don't want to take money that should be allocated elsewhere. Understand your state laws. See what you're entitled to in form of support, child support, spousal support, mm-hmm. maintenance. You know, how is property divided? Is it a community state, equitable division state? How are you going to pay for your legal fees? Are you paying it through credit cards? Are you paying it through money you've saved up? Are you having family friends pay for it? Consider your income. Who was dependent on who? Are you financially independent? What will be your income after the divorce? Are you going to be able to sustain yourself after the divorce? Open individual bank accounts. Establish your financial independence so that you 
you're not dependent on the other person to accidentally or intentionally cut off your access and now you don't have money to pay your light bill. You can't live the way you were in the marriage during a divorce because you have well, all these additional expenses. And even with people that have very high incomes, we see a decent number of folks that outspend their incomes even though they're very high from most Americans' point of view. Just because someone has a high income doesn't mean they don't have a lot of debt. You know, we've seen cases with people with very high incomes that haven't saved much. They run into big financial challenges in divorce too. There may not be a lot of assets and there might be a lot of liability and it can be a big challenge even in a high income situation. What I thought the broader topic was kind of interesting, like, you know, the title of the article is a honeymoon's over. How much did you save before getting a divorce? And for some people, they, they're not choosing the timing, right? The other person is choosing the timing and it might be a bad time. It might be a time when they're not ready. But if you are the person choosing timing, which is possible, then there's something that I think is true for having children or getting married or any of these life things. There's never a great time to do any of these things. Mm -hmm. And if you wait for the perfect time, it, it'll never come. And there's always a reason why you shouldn't get divorced right now. Somebody's birthday is coming up. Somebody's sick. Somebody's mom died or whatever. And some of these things are better to just get going because dwelling on it tears you up inside or, you know, beats you up emotionally. And there's a price to be paid for waiting also. So that's something to consider. But I, I just think it's interesting to say money to save before getting a divorce. Well, if you saved up to get a divorce, you might be waiting a long time for a lot of folks. I mean, a, a divorce can be 25 grand to $75,000. It could be that much per person, depending on how much fighting is going on or and north of that. It could be relatively inexpensive too. You could spend five to $10,000 on a side if you cooperate really well. And now we're talking about experience that we've had. Yeah, I was just going to say, look, if you're going to save twenty-five dollars to $50,000, guess what? That money you saved up is marital. That yeah. could get divided or a judge could say, well, you spent that on fees, so I'm going to allocate the same amount to the other person, so on and so forth. So there's no sort of silver bullet here for these things. Everyone thinks of the cleverest way to get out of it or to try and game the system. It's not necessarily going to work. Yeah. And it's just like, there's no great time for it. You know, the only thing I could say is a caveat to that. And we're starting to see this now in a recessionary period. And I'm old enough to have done divorces in the 2008 recession. If somebody has substantial assets and they get marked down due to recessionary pressures, so they own a lot of stock, they've got real estate, whatever business assets, et cetera. Their asset pool is now worth much less. It may be less painful to get divorced at that point when your assets are at a low value because you're not assuming you don't have to liquidate those assets necessarily, or you're keeping them in trade for other assets like cash or whatever, because in that circumstance, you might do better as somebody who has that kind of situation than if you wait till the assets are marked at a very high value. So it can be a very good time to get divorced if you are somebody in that situation. Sometimes, yeah. It is better timing, but it's not super common. I would say generally there's no great time, but if you were going to pick, and I guess the bummer, it's sort of bad news, good news. The bad news is your assets are worth less. The good news is your assets are worth less because it's a little less painful to get divorced. Exactly. And I was just going to say, it depends on who you ask, right? Some people's worst time might be the other person's best time. If you're the person who was parting with your asset six months ago, when the stock market wasn't doing well, you divide a 401k six months ago, it's not worth what it's worth today. If you're the person dividing it, you'd rather just like you sell low versus the person receiving. Now, if they're getting divorced, it's probably getting a lot more. So, you know, the best time to get divorced is when you're mentally ready to get divorced. It's not right. when, you know, if you're going to sit and do numbers and try to figure that out, you can only plan that out for a certain amount of time. Yeah, sure. If you're at a key point, like let's say in your jurisdiction, you have to wait X years before you get maintenance. It's silly to file one week before that time, right? So right. you wait a week. Of course, you have to plan that way. You want to make sure you plan all these things. But 
if you wait for that date saying, yes, I will save X dollars and do it, you know, God forbid something happens and you're going to spend that money and now you're back to square one. You never know. It's very unpredictable. You control what you can control and just, just go for it when you're ready for it. Right. Absolutely. So that leads us to talk about our advice for you is baked into my best selling book. I just want this done. How smart, successful people get divorced without losing their kids, money and minds available on Amazon, Kindle, Audible, and where all great eBooks are sold. So if you're a Nook person or Apple Books, you can get it there too. 300 pages, eight hours in the audiobook. This is concise, in the trenches advice from my 20 plus years of practicing as a divorce lawyer with real stories from real people. Some of them are composites, but names change to protect the innocent. But they're all real stories from real cases. I use the stories to explain examples of the principles I talk about in the book. Everything from parenting issues, dealing in a, with a high conflict divorce, understanding the value of cost benefit analysis, how to choose a great divorce lawyer, how to communicate with your spouse, all those kinds of things that are so important. This is not a boring divorce book, just like this isn't a boring divorce podcast. We named the pod after the book because we have the same vibe in the show that we do in the book. The book is an interesting read. It talks about, you'll find things that you're familiar with. If you're experiencing divorce or you're thinking about it, it will resonate with you. It's a bestseller on Amazon. It's been a bestseller for a couple of years. Named the best family law book of all time by book authority just this past week. Proud to announce that. So Congrats. check it out. You'll love it. Give it to a friend who's going through this struggle. You'll see it's worth it. If you're a divorce lawyer, I think your clients will enjoy it too, or a counselor. Thank you. I just want this done. How smart, successful people get divorced without losing their kids, money, and minds. You can check it out at Amazon. Also, there's always links in the show notes and you go to the website for the book, ijustwantthisdone.com. Thanks, and now Rahul, we're gonna talk about one of our favorite topics we like to get near the end of the show. We like talking about some fun stuff and we always like talking about dating apps, right? So you've got a dating app that I hadn't heard about before. Tell us about this one. Yeah, absolutely. And I was just going to add that those who get the audiobook, they get to hear your voice for eight hours. My stentorian or mellifluous voice, if you, whichever you choose. Yeah, I did the narration over eight hours in a place called the Jam Lab with the son. It's Colin Peterick, son of the famous Jim Peterick, who sang Eye of the Tiger for you Rocky and Survivor fans. So Jim Peterick is alive and kicking, Berwyn, Illinois native, still lives in the area still singing and playing music and jim is like around my dad's age in his 70s still rocking and his son colin is like in his 30s is a cool dude has his own band is an audio engineer and he's got an awesome place called the jam lab where i record so shout out to colin i'll be back to record my audio book for my next book uh, the studio is really cool he's got an event space there and it was really fun to record this is now a couple years ago but it was awesome thanks for the comment on that i appreciate it so yeah yeah that's, so jumping that's our, into raya yeah, let's talk Absolutely. about Raya, that's dating app. Apparently it's been around since 2015. So this is known as the dating app designed for influencers, actors, and The Bachelor contestants. So aren't it's, we influencers? Why can't we be on there? Oh, we're married. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, uh, exactly. Sorry. Although, Our, although Rafe, funny. I think it might be your lucky day because this says it was initially created to facilitate dating connections. The app has since expanded to be a place for general business development and social networking uh, too. Well, okay, so well, we should be on there. You, you can just go ahead that. and download it and um, see what happens. <laughs> I'll wait for your results before I do it myself. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> and so what it says is that it was it's an application-based dating app, sort of like you know all the other ones, Bumble, Hinge, Tinder. It's created for people in the entertainment industry to connect with like-minded individuals, but this does not match you locally with other individuals. It is a global uh, app. So Unless you live in L.A. or New York City, 
your matches won't probably be in the same city or even the same state. So interesting. Apparently, major celebrity like Zac Efron, Ben Affleck, Demi Lovato, and even Lizzo have been rumored to be on the app at one point or another. So this and international thing's probably because they could just hop on the golf stream to go see like just the, the BF take or the, the G four. Yep. Yeah. Why not? not? You know, get on Drake's plane and just fly over there. How do you get on Rhea anyway? So you have to fill out a simple and straightforward application that asks you for your name, date of birth, location, industry, occupation, and your IG or Instagram username. So they don't tell you any qualifications as to what it looks for on a member. Some people say it's being reviewed, the it meaning the applications are being reviewed by a team diverse in age, race, and sexual orientation, allegedly totaling 500 people. It's apparently highly vetted. Some people get in right away. Some people wait weeks, uh, if not longer. Which I'm sure is part of the allure, right? Even. For all we know, they put it in an inbox and they just sit on it yep. to make these people yep. stew so they think it's like in demand. For all we know, they're just like, of course we're going to let them in, but let's let this guy simmer for a little while and get hyped up. Right. Generate the artificial demand. Yeah, you're right. And then you're like, ah, oh, I haven't gotten in yet. I want to get in. Beautiful. Apparently, you also have to be referred, or it helps your odds if you're being referred by a current Raya member. Okay. However, people with multiple individuals can still find themselves sitting on a rumored 10,000 plus person wait list. Again, like you said, there's Ooh. just 10,000 emails in that inbox waiting for people. So, Zach, uh, if you're listening, I need a referral to this thing. Zach Efron at Rayford Palmer, TikTok, Instagram. Just DM me, bro, because I need, I need to get in this thing. <laughs> Not for dating, Julie. That's my wife, by the way. Uh, no, not for dating. I just want to get in some business with the inside track with all these stars. Exactly. Why not, right? Just business development like it's meant to be. This doctor who made a comment about this is, is that being a social media influencer with a sizable following may boost your chances. But even if you're not an influencer, if you're an interesting person with a creative job or unique life experience, you may land a spot on the app. It also said, don't put your dating life on hold while you wait for your application to be reviewed because you could be waiting. <laughs> you could wait months, right? Yeah. <laughs> don't wait for so, the uh, answer because it's sitting in an inbox somewhere. They say that the vibes of Rhea are pretty anticlimactic at best, according to some users. In fact, many members report feeling underwhelmed by the experience, especially after the long buildup to their membership acceptance. So. Ruh-roh. It said, so I, I'm, I'm having a feeling, I think I might be, I might understand who wrote this article or where it's coming from. The last line is, instead of putting all your bets on Rhea, you could try upgrading to, wait for it, yeah, upgrading your Tinder bio or using a creative bio idea in your Bumble profile. We would definitely like to talk to someone who has been on this app, yeah. like to see what experience it is, who they've matched with. I know it's confidential, so you could just say the first letter, last letter, and what it sounds like and, you know, nothing else, and we'll... Yeah. <laughs> Just say so. like Tim Kartrashian or something like that. Yeah, so get exactly. An idea you, are. you know, you don't have to tell us. Just you could change the words. It's hilarious. We always like the dating app stuff because it's just interesting. And yeah, we we love to talk to somebody who's been on this app. So if you're interested and we can just hear from you, that'd be great. An interview would be awesome. But even if you just want to message us and give us the scoop, we can keep your name confidential and talk about your experience on the show. So check us out at Rayford Palmer is an easy way to reach me anywhere. But uh, you might find Twitter or DMing me on Insta or TikTok is great. So that's the pod. Thanks a lot for watching. We hope you like it. Like, share, subscribe. Let us know your comments in the comments section, please. We don't get paid for this. We do this for you. We enjoy doing it, but we do it for you. And we want to make this show what you'd like it to be. So keep telling us what you like and what you're not so hot about. And we will keep making this the best we can for you. So thanks for listening. And we'll be back soon. Take care. Take care.